Um, this week, we're going to continue in our series, um, Multiply. Last week, we talked about the God that multiplied. We talked about the miracle of God providing for a widow who had just a small jar of oil and using that to give her more than enough to get out of the debt that she was in and to sustain life ongoing. And the main idea from what we talked about last week was this. We saw that God can use what you have to make you who he created you to be and to help you do what he calls you to do. You have everything you need to be who God created you to be and to do what God calls you to do. If we are willing to offer what we have and have faith, God can do anything that God wants to through us. Today we're going to look at a second miracle, and we'll get into that in just a second, but, but first I want to talk to you about um, a, a memory that I have. My senior year of high school, I had the opportunity to go to Kenya on a mission trip. I love mission trips, I love going out of the country, and my senior year of high school, I think I even got to miss some school, so this was like a really good mission trip, and I went to Kenya um, with, with a group from the Tennessee District Church of the Nazarene. And so I went to Kenya, and we were working at Africa Nazarene University just outside of Nairobi. And I'll never forget that trip. And if you guys have been, how many of you have been on a mission trip out of the country before? Or even probably in the country? You can raise your hand if you've been on one in the country. I'm going to guess that the experiences that you experienced are very similar to the one that I did, I experienced in Kenya. Um, but we went, and we were staying just outside the city of Nairobi, and we went into Nairobi, and there was an area in that city, it was the kind of the slum village of Nairobi, massive area, with just, just a dirty area, with with trash everywhere, and there were no houses like we live in houses. There were just kind of shanties and, and cardboard and all of these things just holding them up. And we're in this huge, massive area of poverty and brokenness. And as a senior in high school from Nashville, Tennessee, that lived in a really nice big house and had everything that I ever wanted and needed... It was hard for me to see that brokenness and that poverty. Then the thing that just really tore my heart up was we were in Nairobi and I was sitting in a bus and, and when we were over there, people would gather around us because they knew that since we were American, we had far more than, than they have. And so we were in the bus and I remember there were just a bunch of kids from Nairobi that were gathered around the bus and they were yelling out and they had their hands up just hoping that we would give them pencils or whatever it was that we could give them. And I'll never forget, I handed a piece of candy out the window to a kid and another kid, and, and this, is, this is ugly and this is sad, I'm sorry, but another kid walked up and punched that kid in the face and took the candy and ran. I'll never forget the brokenness that I saw there. And you know what? That, that kid, the reason he reacted that way is because he had so much need in his life. Those kids were broken and hurting. And I was in Nairobi just seeing all of this emptiness. Emptiness. 
I don't mean to start on the downer today. We're, we're going to get there. Just hang with me through this. I looked up some stats about world poverty, and this is from DoSomething.org. Nearly half of the world's population, more than 3 billion people in this world, live on less than $2.50 a day. More than 1.3 billion people live in extreme poverty, less than $1.25 a day. There are 1 billion children worldwide who are living in poverty, and according to UNICEF, 22,000 children die each day due to the poverty that they're living in. 805 million people worldwide do not have enough food to eat. More than 750 million people lack access to clean drinking water. Preventable diseases take the lives of more than than 2 million children a year who are too poor to afford treatment. Hunger is the number one cause of death in the world. That's globally. Once again, hang with me. Don't leave on this note. Hang with me. Then I think locally. And I work here at the church. And so we constantly, because we're a church, have people coming into the church that are in great need. I got a call last weekend from somebody who said, I just need my lawn mowed and I can't do it myself and I can't pay someone else to do it. Can you come help us out? And I just, working at the church, the amount of need sometimes is overwhelming when we do service projects, when we go into communities, when people walk into the church asking for help. The need is just so overwhelming. Sometimes I think, God, if I just had a billion dollars, I could help all these people. And I don't. And that's, that's, that's not the answer. But there's so much need The needs are so overwhelming, and sometimes it seems like it's more than we can handle. Sometimes, let's be honest, it seems like it's more than God can handle. So what's the answer? Well, I'm sure you know what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about another miracle. This is actually the only miracle that that Jesus performed that's recorded in all four Gospels. It's the feeding of the 5,000. We're going to be reading out of the book of John, and and we're going to be working through it in pieces, kind of, and and we're going to look at a couple of the other versions as well. But John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15 says this, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him, because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples, the Jewish Passover festival. And so verse 1 through 4, Jesus has already been doing miracles. He's already been healing people. He's already been performing great signs, and people were following him. Crowds of people were following him. Why were crowds following him? Because that's what we do, right? We get in crowds and we follow people. We're a people of crowds. We like to follow the crowd. I remember last summer we went to Yellowstone Park. And that's a really interesting experience because you're driving through the park and you're just hoping to see some cool animals. But then all of a sudden you see a crowd of people gathered over there. And what do you do? We got to go be a part of that crowd. Something's happening over there. We don't want to miss it. 
And so there were just crowds all over the place. There's a moose. Boom. Everyone's there. There, There's a bison. Boom. Everyone's there. And we we get in crowds because that's what we do, right? And what we see with Jesus is Jesus has been performing some great signs and miracles and healing people. And crowds are gathering In verse 5, it says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. And so we see the crowds are gathering. Jesus is there with his disciples. And we see this interaction with Philip that's pretty awesome. Jesus is kind of testing them. See, they've been with Jesus. They know exactly what they have to work with. They've been following Jesus. Let's be honest. Another thing that we're pretty good at is we're pretty good at taking inventory. We know what we've got, right? You know what you have. You know what you've got at all times. You know what you're rolling with. You know what your crowd of people around you has to work with. And Jesus says to Philip, hey, where can we go buy food for these people to eat? And Philip's like, what are you talking about? Buy food with what? I've been with you. We don't have anything to buy food for these people. And and it says that Jesus already knew what he was going to do. In Luke's account, as well as Matthew and Mark's account, we see that it happened a little bit differently in their telling. Luke 9 says, Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. And Jesus replied, You give them something to eat. And so once again, we see this situation where, boom, the need is too great. There's too much. We can't do it. Let's send them away. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And the disciples must have been sitting there thinking, how's that going to work? We got nothing. We've got nothing to add. In all three accounts, the disciples ask Jesus to send the people back to the towns, but Jesus puts it back on them and says, no, You feed them. Clearly, they could have sent the people away. There was no logical answer for the way that they would feed these people. And so in their human minds, their answer was, let's send them away. But as as it says in John's account, Jesus had a plan. So we see a few things here. Number one, the disciples saw a problem, a really, really big problem. Now, we just talked about some big problems in the world, right? And once again, I want to apologize. That was a real downer to start the service, but we're going to get there. We're going to, we're going to get to the good place because we serve the God that multiplies. And so the disciples saw a big problem, and in their human minds, in their limited understanding, there was only one solution. We'll send them away. We can't handle that. We don't have what it takes to feed those people, so send them away. Let somebody else take care of it. That was the only logical thing to do. I'll never forget one of the places I worked was a church, and um, people would come to the church, and they would ask for help. And, And the stance of the church was, hey, those people over there take care of that. 
We can't help you here. And the reason was that church didn't have the resources to help all the people that were coming to the church. And so the, the response was, go somewhere else. We can't help you. We don't have what we need to help you. And that bothered me so much because people were coming for help. And I believe that God wants to help them. The second thing we see is that Jesus challenges them. He calls them to address the problem. See, in our minds, sometimes the only solution is to send people somewhere else where they have more help. But Jesus says, no, you take care of this. That's a big responsibility. How often in the church do we think with a mind of, hey, we can't handle this, so let's outsource it to somebody else. The government will take care of that. Or those, um, those organizations that exist for that will take care of that. All we have to do is send people to the right place. But Jesus challenged the disciples to take care of it themselves. Many times, Jesus calls his people to meet the needs in front of them. Many times, Jesus calls his people to meet the needs they see in front of him. Let me stop real quick and just tell you. I'm not telling you right now that every problem you see around you, that all of these big picture issues that we were talking about are your personal responsibilities to solve. That's not what I'm saying. But many times, Jesus calls his people to be the source of taking care of the problems that they encounter. And the third thing, we saw that Jesus had a plan. So we're going to do some math right now. How many of you are good at math? Wow, okay. <laughs> All right, well, that's, that's not good. Um, I hope you guys are good at something else. Um, like seven people in this whole congregation are good at math. So we're going to do some math real quick. Because see, in, in our minds, sometimes we do the simple math of, I've got X, and the need is Z. I don't have Y, and so I can't do it. We're... We're at least, you can at least do that, right? If you have $5 and somebody has a $1,000 need, you, you can do the math and say, I don't have it, right? How many of you can do that math? Okay, so here's our math problem for today. What you have plus the God that multiplies equals more than enough. What you have, we, we talked about this last week, what you have plus the God that multiplies is equal to more than enough. So let me just stop and let me give you the good news because we started down. But what you have plus the God that multiplies is more than enough to end the problems that we talked about, to take care of the situations around us that seem hopeless. What you have plus the God that multiplies is more than enough to meet any need. It's amazing because these disciples and the people of God, we've seen it over and over and over again that God can do incredible, miraculous things. Jesus has just been healing. Jesus has just been performing signs and people are following because of that. But they see a need and in our limited understanding, our math, it doesn't add up. But Jesus is teaching us new math. What you have plus the God that multiplies is more than enough. And so Jesus teaches them this lesson. Listen, 
I want to be really clear with you today, and I think I, I, think I communicated this well last week, and, and I think I usually try to communicate this well, but there is no problem that's bigger than our God. Our God is unstoppable. Our God is all-powerful. Our God is greater than any problem that we can face. God is greater than poverty. God is greater than hunger. God is greater than any problem we face. And so that's the good news today. That, and, and we got a lot more. But that's the good news. Our God is greater than any problem we face. We may not be able to comprehend how God is going to meet the needs in front of us, but God works outside of our limited understanding. God works outside of our simple math, and God is more powerful than we can ever imagine. If God calls us to meet a need, God is more than enough to help us meet that need. No matter what that is, no matter if that's 5,000 people sitting in a remote place or whether that's world hunger or poverty, God is more than enough. There's, there's another reason that Jesus wanted to meet this specific need in this story, and we're going to get to that a little bit later. But let's move on into uh, verse 8. It says this, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will it go? You saw that in, that, in the video earlier. It's, it was talking about the five loaves and the two fish and your five loaves and two fish. And it was saying, what are you going to do? Are you going to offer it to God? And what we see is Andrew comes. And I, I think this is pretty cool. He does kind of ask a question of doubt but he comes and he offers what he's found. It's not his stuff, it's a boy's stuff. He offers what he's found to Jesus and says, this is what we got, but how far will this go? In verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. So something's coming, right? Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. So most, um, most scholars, most, most um, biblical studiers, <laughs> that's really, yeah, don't start talking until you know what you're going to say, sorry. Um, most scholars believe there were probably closer to 10,000 people at this place, not just 5,000, because it says 5,000 men. And so Jesus says, sit down. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. So there was a crowd of 5,000. The math didn't work out. All they had was five, lo five small loaves and two small fish. And the disciples are able to come up with that, and it wasn't enough. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever looked at a need... And have you ever calculated what you had and felt like, I just don't have it. I just can't do it. Whether it was a financial situation, whether it was, whether it was something that God was calling you to that you didn't feel like you had the skill to do. I think of Moses saying, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. All I have is this and it's not enough. Have you ever thought that way? Have you ever found yourself in a place where you're like, hey, all I've got 
is five small loaves and two fish. Or if last week, all I've got is a small jar of oil. We've come up pretty short. We can't even make a dent in this problem. And he asked this, how far will that go among so many? This reaction is totally normal. Have you ever had this reaction? Raise your hand if you've had this reaction before. You've seen a need, you've counted what you had, and you just didn't have enough. Okay, God, here's what I have, but is this really going to help? And God asks us to be available. God asks us to offer what we have. God asks us to, to offer our five loaves and our two small fish and be available. Verse 12, this is really cool. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Listen to that language. When they had all eaten, 10,000, 5 to 10,000 people, five loaves, two fish. Jesus says, make it available, give it to me. And Andrew brings him the five loaves and the two fish. He says, have the people sit down. And when they had all had enough to eat, Jesus says, hey, go collect what's left. What was left? Twelve basketfuls of food. It's pretty incredible. Last week we heard, take care of, sell the oil that you've got and, and, and take care of your debts. And then guess what? You've got enough. Live off the rest. And then here we see everybody had their fill and they collected more in the end than they started with. What you have, plus the God that multiplies, is more than enough for anything that you face. God is bigger than the problems that we see in front of us. And I think it's kind of interesting, 12 baskets are left over. I don't know what the significance is of that. I don't know if, if it's one thing or the other, but most people believe that there's 12 disciples there, and now they each have a basket of food that's left over. Or there's 12 tribes of Israel, and there's 12 baskets left over, and so God takes five loaves and two fish, feeds five to 10,000 people, and there's more left over at the end than there was when they started. Now, this is where things get really interesting. So I've given you the good news, that God is more than enough for any problem that we face. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Verse 14, after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So after this miracle, people started talking. This is the guy. This is the guy we've been waiting for. He's got it. Did you see what he did? This is the prophet. And they start to get really excited. And the talk starts to build up. And like we said, we crowd. We get excited. This is the guy. And what's Jesus' response? Jesus withdraws. Jesus withdraws. Why does Jesus withdraw? It's because the people have gotten the miracle 
wrong. They've gotten it all wrong. Sure, Jesus was the prophet. Sure, Jesus is the king. But it says that Jesus already knew that they were going to try to force him to be the king politically. But they got the wrong king. They got the wrong idea of Jesus. This miracle meant something so much more than just feeding a bunch of people. This meant something so much more than Jesus giving us everything we could ever want. He was the prophet. He was the king. But they started to look at Jesus as something other than what he came to be. They were looking for a savior that would deliver them from their struggles, that would put them at the top of the food chain. And sometimes we're guilty of that, right? They saw a great miracle and they thought, wow, this is our guy. He's going to take us where we want to go. We're going to put him on the throne. And all of a sudden, we're going to be in charge. And we win. We're going to have everything we ever wanted. We're going to be living the good life. That's not what Jesus was all about. So he withdrew. We're pretty good at making God's power work for us, aren't we? How many of you just, I mean, you probably wouldn't say this, so you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you sometimes just think like, if only God would do this, I mean, then I would win that Facebook argument I was in. I'd look, I'd be right, you know? Or those people that I was arguing with, those people that are against me or, or, or were, you know, were on different sides, if only God would show them that, boom, I'm right. Or those people that believe differently than we do. Oh, if only God would show his mighty power, then we'd be right. We'd have it. Or if only we could, we could get God to do something amazing, then we would take power again. And this would be God's world and nobody could stop us, right? And we start to get in our mind this idea that, wow, this is the guy that's going to take us where we want to go. But this miracle isn't about taking us where we want to go. This, is, this miracle isn't about giving people everything that they ever wanted and dreamed of. This brings us back to Jesus' plan. Jesus was teaching them the math problem. What you have, plus the God that multiplies, is more than enough. But more importantly, Jesus had a bigger plan than to show them a cool miracle. He had a bigger plan than just to meet a physical need. In John chapter 6, there are two more verses I want to look at. Verse 35 says this. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Did you hear that? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and will never go thirsty. And at this point, we're all like, I'm in. Sure, I'll take that. I'll never go hungry. I'll never go thirsty. I'll get everything I ever needed. I'm in. We've got it now. But then in verse 51, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This wasn't about political power. This great miracle, this great power is not about giving us everything that we ever wanted. It's not about elevating us in the political food chain. It's not about us getting all of our passions and desires. Jesus is the bread of life. 
and he's going to give his life ultimately so that we can have life. This miracle is about far more than five loaves and two fish. It was more than a meal. It was pointing to a greater reality, and that's this. Jesus' main goal was not to give the people bread to fill them one time or to fill their stomachs. His main goal was to teach them that he is the bread of life, that they can have life in him. And here's the problem. Sometimes it's easy for us to think about what the power of God is can do for us. It's easy for us to think that that if God can do anything, then man, he can make our church great. He can make me great. But Jesus came to die, to give you life. When Jesus meets the needs, the physical needs of people, it's always about something a lot bigger than just meeting their physical needs. He comes to give them life. He comes to meet their greater need, which is himself. This is a really great quote. John Piper said, Jesus didn't come to serve our appetites. He came to give us new appetites. It's not that because Jesus meets this need and because we've got the guy now, we can get whatever we want. We're going we're gonna to get more temporary things. It's that we should want more of Christ. When Jesus meets our physical needs, Jesus wants to meet the bigger need in our life, and that's for a Savior that will give us life through him. And so this morning... I want to assure you that God is more than enough. I want to assure you that if there is huge problems in your life, if there's something that's happening, God is more than enough to meet the physical. God is more than enough to meet the tangible needs that are in front of you. God is more than enough to help you fulfill a job or a calling. God is more than enough to help you minister. God is more than enough to take care of you. But I believe, I believe that God wants to give you so much more than just meeting your physical need. Listen, I believe that God wants us to take part in feeding the hungry. I believe that God wants us to take part in clothing those without clothes. I believe that God wants us to take part in taking care of of widows and orphans. I believe that God wants to use us to answer some of the problems that we see in front of us. But we can't forget that we have something so much more important to offer than food or money or clothes or adoption or anything else. We have a God who gives life. We have a God who doesn't come to give bread, but to be the bread for us to have life. Listen, as we look at the world around us and as we see huge problems, Excuse me. As we look at the world around us and we see these big things, God's more than enough. And God calls us to be a part of that, to give our five loaves and our two fish to help those around us. But more than that, I believe that God calls us to be agents of restoration and change in people's broken lives. And so as we help feed people, 
as we help clothe people, as we help take care of people. It's not just so that they can have those things. It's so that they can have a Savior, the bread of life, who is more than enough for everything they've ever needed. God didn't come to give us all we have in our appetites. God came to change our appetites. Some of you are here this morning and you may feel that you are facing impossible odds in front of you. There may be something in front of you that just seems like it's too much. There may be people in your life that that you see a need that's greater than you can meet. There may be situations around you, whether it's at work or in the community around you, that you just feel like you can't even make a dent in. I want you to know that God, the God that multiplies, is more than enough. But I want to take that next step with you because I believe that's what this miracle was all about. This wasn't just about feeding people. This was about showing people that God is is the bread of life. And so maybe some of you in here this morning would say, God has met my needs. God fed me when I I needed food. God's taken care of me. And you're living in that place where you are excited and he's the guy that's taking care of you. But you haven't experienced the bread of life that wants to give you peace that wants to restore you to what you were created to be, to a relationship with the Creator God, maybe some of you here today have experienced the physical blessings of God, but you haven't experienced God being the bread of life, Jesus being the bread of life that gives you everything that your heart really needs. Not what you want, not a better car, not a better house, not the best food, not the best job, not more power but gives you the bread of life, the God that's more than enough. As we pray today, I I, I wanna ask you to offer what you have to God. Each one of us has, we, we could say our five loaves and two fish, it may look different, we each have something and none of us have enough to take care of all the problems that we see in front of us, but we serve a God that multiplies. But in addition to that, I want you to know that God wants to do far more than end hunger and end poverty. God wants to change lives and hearts. And I believe that God is more than enough. The God that multiplies is more than enough to take what we have and to build his kingdom through it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you do care about us, that you're a compassionate God that wants to take care of our physical need. And you did, Jesus, when you were on earth, you took care of need after need after need. And God, you are unstoppable. You are bigger than anything we face. And we thank you that, for that, God. We thank you that you love us enough that you don't leave us in a place of wanting or needing, but you take care of us. But Father, I pray that we wouldn't miss what you really came to do. I pray that we wouldn't miss what you really want to do in us. It's not just give us food. It's not just give us better position. But you want to give us eternal life through your death. And so, Father, I pray that each one of us today would offer what we have to you.
I pray that you would use that to do amazing things. I pray that you would meet physical needs. I pray that you would take care of people and needs through us. But more than anything, Lord, I pray that the God that multiplies, I pray that you would change our hearts and our appetites not to want more physical things, but to want more of you. God, I pray that our hearts would be so desiring of you that we're praying nonstop for it. I pray that what we desire would be more of you, would be more of your work, would be more of your peace, would be more of your hope in our lives. And so, Father, we come and we offer what we have to you. And we pray that you would take it and you would change our hearts and you would change our lives and that you would use us to change the world around us for your kingdom. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. Amen.